And Father, we, we recognize that we need that in each of our own lives this morning. All of us come here uh, to worship um, in a different place with a different struggle, a different difficulty on our hearts and on our minds. And Father, we know that uh, the only place we can truly find comfort and hope and healing and strength is in you. Um, that if it was all up to us, uh, we would be hopeless and, and struggling. And so we're thankful that you've been faithful, that you've brought us here this morning, and we're thankful that you will lead us out from here in your strength and wisdom. And Father, that's why we come to your word. Uh, We come to your word because we know we need you. We need your wisdom, we need your guidance, we need your strength. And so now, Father, as we open your word and as we dive in, we pray that you would speak, um, and that you'd speak clearly and powerfully to each one of us this morning. And whatever is possibly going to distract us from hearing what you have to say to this morning. This morning, Lord, just we ask you to push it off to the side, remove it, remove the fears, remove the anxieties, remove all of the busyness from our minds, calm our hearts and minds so that we can hear you speak clearly and powerfully this morning. Father, we pray that you would open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and our hearts to receive what you have to say to us this morning. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, like I mentioned, we're continuing our series through the Lord's Prayer. So if you have your Bibles with you, you can open up to Matthew 6, uh, verses 9 through 13. It will be on the screen as well. Um, We're only looking at a small portion of it this morning, but we will still read the whole uh, Lord's Prayer. So Matthew 6. Uh, Verses 9 through 13. Jesus said to his disciples, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Um, One of the things I want to mention kind of at the beginning of this is uh, it's been interesting as I've been working on this sermon and thinking about the sermon I gave last week on, on the kingdom of God, I realized in a lot of ways we're asking the same thing when we ask that God's kingdom would come. And we ask that God's will would be done. You know, last week I said when we're asking that God's kingdom would come, we're asking that, that our lives and our families and our communities and our schools and workplaces would come under submission to Jesus Christ. Um, but when, what are we praying when we say that God's will is going to be done in our life and that God's will is going to be done in our families? And our, we're asking the same thing in, in a lot of ways. And yet, when we when we pray your will be done, it's a little different, and it's a little more personal, I think. Um, and I'm sure many of you have your own stories of, of a time in your life where you had to kind of submit your, your will to God. This, this week I was thinking of um, one, one story from our family in particular. Um, it was when, when Rachel and I were pregnant uh, with our fourth child, um, and then we had a miscarriage. And, you know, miscarriages are so hard because 
it comes right at that point where you are getting over the shock of trying to figure out how in the world am I going to care for four children. Um, You get over the shock of that and you start getting excited for the next child to come um, and, and then you lose lose the child. Um, and, you know, I remember, I remember kind of walking around in a fog for quite a while. Um, I remember trying to figure out, like, projects to work on in the garage just to kind of distract my mind. I actually, what I did was I, I built a, a little coffin for, for our child, um, and we held a, a small funeral service, just kind of immediate family, and we went and and buried our child on Rachel's grandfather's grave. We got permission to be able to do that, which was, which was really cool. And, and when we ended that service, we ended it by everybody saying the Lord's Prayer together. And, and I remember driving home from that funeral and praying and saying, you know what, God, this doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I have no idea how you could use this for your glory. It just doesn't make any sense but I trust you. I, I know you're good. I know you're in control. And I trust that somehow in this, you have some bigger plan, something bigger going on that I can't even ask or imagine. And so I remember saying, your will be done. And when I said that, all of a sudden I had this peace and comfort just kind of go over me. Um, That's what I mean when I say that praying your will be done has this personal level to it. Of course, when I said your will be done, in one sense, I said, I'm submitting to you, my king, (laughs) and how you're ruling. I'm submitting my life and my family to you. But but it's different. There's something going on in our heart that's different than just saying, I submit to you. You're saying, no, I want your will to be done. And, and one of the things we have to recognize, in order for us to truly be able to get to a point where we can pray, your will be done, and pray it honestly and sincerely from in our hearts, we have to, we have to recognize this one really important line from the Heidelberg Catechism. Your will alone is good. And, and that's basically just a quote from Scripture. Romans 12, 2 says, the will of God which is good and acceptable and perfect. So the will of God is good and acceptable and perfect. And I would say it's not just acceptable, it's beautiful. And and in order for us to be able to truly say, your will be done, we have to come to the point where we recognize not only that God's will is good, but that God's will alone is good. And that God's will is better than any other will out there. That God's will is the best of all wills that can be done. And then we can come to the point of saying, okay, I want your will to be done because that's what's good. We also have to understand this. Uh, J.C. Riley, you're going to hear a lot about him through this. Um, he said this, our truest happiness is in perfect submission to God's will. And it's the highest charity, and this was written a really long time ago, so charity just means love. 
The most loving thing we can do is to pray that all mankind would know God's will and obey God's will and submit to God's will. And that's the most loving thing we can pray because that's where we find our truest happiness is submitting and being in God's will because God's will is alone good. It's the highest good. It's the most beautiful good. Um, And unless we believe that, unless we believe that our truest happiness is found in God's will and that God's will is true and good and beautiful, we never really get to the point of being able to honestly say deep down in our heart, your will be done. And there's kind of one technical aspect that I do want to talk about this morning about the will of God. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but I think it's helpful in understanding that when, when the Bible talks about, when it uses the phrase, the will of God, it actually uses it in a few different ways, but primarily two different ways. Um, and so when you come across a passage and it uh, talks about the will of God, sometimes it's talking about God's sovereign plan, God's sovereign will for all of creation, or some people would say his his secret will, right? God has a plan and a purpose. He's carrying it out. He's ruling and reigning over all of the earth, and his will is being done in that way. And so, in some ways, when we pray, your will be done, we're saying, I'm submitting to what you're doing, right? When I, when I had to say that, when we lost a child through miscarriage, I was saying, I don't understand your will, your plan, but I submit to you. So that, that's one of the ways, um, but also, and that's usually what most people think about, right? So I've got kids who are, have been graduating and trying to figure out what's going to happen for the rest of their lives, and they're like, what's God's will for my life? What does he want me to do? They're all trying to figure out God's secret plan for their life, and for the most part, you don't get to know that. Um, you just get to submit to it. <laughs> but... But the Bible also uses the term the will of God in another way. And, and one of the ways that people have described it is as God's decreed will or God's revealed will. And, and really what it is is this is God's will for how you would live in the world. This is, the Bible is revealing God's will for our lives. And it's telling us here's how God has designed you to live and to function. And so you'll see passages like this from 1 Thessalonians. This is the will of God, your sanctification. Okay? The will of God for you is that you would become holy, which means you'd become like Jesus. Or, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And so, on the one hand, praying your will be done is kind of submitting yourself to God's plans and purposes in the world. But the other hand, you're praying God's will be done. You're submitting your life to be lived the way God has called you to live your life. Even when it's difficult. There's times, right, where you know God has called you to do one thing, but you don't want to do that thing. And we have to come to the point of where we say, okay, your will be done. And so the first step, I said, in order to be able to really honestly pray, your will be done, we have to admit that God's will alone is good. Um, But what do you think the second step is? This is usually the hardest part. Uh, The catechism says, help us to reject our own will. 
Um, uh, and this is why it gets personal. <laughs> this is why it's a little bit harder, because now we're not, ha- not, we're not just having to say, God, your will alone is good. Now we have to say, your will is better than my will. <laughs> and I have a lot of wills. <laughs> and, and we all, when we're honest, we all think we're pretty smart and have it figured out. And if God would just do our will, life would go really well. And this is a reminder daily that we have to come to the point of saying, actually, not my will, but your will be done. Because my will is not as good as your will. And so I'm going to follow you. I'm going to listen to you. And you're saying that not just in your own life. You're saying, not my will be done for my family. Not my will be done in this church. Not my will be done in my workplace or in my community, but your will be done, God, because my will is not as good as your will. And, you know, and it happens in really kind of practical, practical situations. I was thinking this week of, in regard to God's decreed will. Um, so God's told us how we're to live in life, and yet we don't want to do that, right? So, so think about a situation. I guarantee we've all encountered this before. You've got someone in your life who's been kind of mean. They've been saying nasty things to you for a long time, a long time. They're kind of wearing you out. They're wearing you thin, and you've been just kind of putzing, just like, whatever. I'm just going to ignore it. It's fine. And then all of a sudden, they come up to you, and they just really stick one in your side. What does your will want to do in that moment. Um, You want to say something back, right? You know it. It's like, I want to say something, and I want you to feel the way that you just made me feel, Um, which is you want to take revenge. But God said what? Vengeance is mine. Keep your mouth shut. And in that moment, you have to say, not my will, but yours be done. Your will is better than my will. <laughs> Even though it feels right now, like if I said something, it would feel good. You go, no, not my will, but your will be done. Right? Or, or, or think of when you were a kid, and you did something naughty. Um, your parents didn't know about it, or you, you thought your parents didn't know about it. They probably did. Um, you didn't think your parents knew about it, but you were kind of, you were like hiding it all the time, and you thought you got away with it, and then your parent comes and says, hey, did you do that thing? Now, what's your will in that moment? I got to lie. <laughs> Nobody can find out what I did. I, I've been covering it up really well. I got to say something. I got to say I'm not guilty. So your will is like saying, lie, lie, lie. And in that moment, you have to say, no, not my will. Your will alone is good. And you have to tell the truth, right? And not, this isn't just kids. This is adults, right? We cover stuff up too. And even if it's going to cost you pain and trial and suffering, no, God's will is good. And so for me to tell the truth, even if it's going to cause pain, is what's good. It's better than what my will is. Um, it, it looks a little different when we, uh, when we have to kind of submit to God's kind of sovereign will in our lives, even though it's, it's pretty much the same, right? We, we all had, 
you know, most of us have these kind of dreams and plans that, that we think are going to happen, and we want them to happen, and then we encounter God's plan. And we have to say, not my will, right? I just had to tell, uh, I was telling some people yesterday about my call to ministry and said, it was not my will. <laughs> to be a pastor. <laughs> Never my plan. I had other plans that were really dumb, to be honest. But, but I was going to run the doc business and do all this f- coach football, and that was my will. And God came in and said, nope, I've got something else for you. What do you do in that moment? Well, our, our will tries to be like Jonah. <laughs> like, nope, I'm running. And yet you have to get to the point of saying, not my will. Your will be done and submit to that. And, and we've all been there. We all have, you know, we had dreams of a life that we wanted to have. We had dreams of a job we wanted to have. We had dreams of a house and a car and all of these things that we wanted to have. And they just didn't maybe turn out the way we wanted them to. And we have to be able to get to the point of being able to say, not my will, but your will be done. And, and we have to not only be able to do that for our dreams and our plans, uh, we have to learn how to do that. And this is one of the hardest ones. We have to do that with our anxieties and our difficulties. Um, again, I was thinking this last week. It was not my will <laughs> to be in a coma for a couple of weeks, <laughs> to lose my ability to walk and speak and to miss three months of ministry in this church. It was not my will to do that. But what do you have to do in that moment? You have to submit, say, okay, not my will be done, but your will be done. And your will alone is good, even when it's hard, even when it's difficult. And, you know, we have a church that, that we can hear it on Sunday mornings. We have a church that's full <laughs> of massive health issues, people who are suffering and struggling and, and life is happening. And, and so I recognize it's not easy, and yet in this point in time, this is God's will for you. And we have to be able to go, okay, your will be done, and your will is good. And when you do that, that anxiety that you're holding on to disappears. Because the reality is, most of the time, that anxiety that, that you're feeling is because you're going, my will be done. <laughs> and you're holding on to it, and God's trying to like rip it out of your hands. You're like a kid, like, no, please, no, 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 please do my will, please do my will, come on, come on. And he's like, just let go. And once you let go, then you go, I trust you, your will be done. But the anxiety is because we're just can't let go of these things. And, and it causes us to recognize that like, one of the most foolish things we can do and one of the most destructive things we can do in our own lives is to refuse to reject our own will. Because God's will alone is good. And, and in the midst of this, I, I still feel the need to kind of clarify something because one of the one of the misunderstandings about praying your will be done is that it's really a passive thing. That, that when, we, when we get up and we pray, um, we just say, okay, Lord, 
I trust you to take care of this in my life, so I, your will be done. I'm, I'm just going to sit here and do nothing because I trust you so much. Um, but that's, that's, not, that's not the way this, this works. Um, that's not who God is. That's not how he works in the world. And that's one of the reasons why the catechism says when we're praying this, we're praying, help us and all people to reject our will and then to do what? Obey your will, without any backtalk. And then help us, one and all, to carry out the work we're called to do. And so when we submit to God's will, that doesn't mean we just sit there and do nothing. It means you live into the, the will that God has given you. So when I was, it would not have been good for me to say, okay, you're calling me to be a pastor? Sweet, I'm just going to sit here and let you make me a pastor. That's not submitting to his will. It was, okay, I guess I have to go to school for another 10 years. And I gave him a little back talk, <laughs> as you can see from my face. Um, <laughs> and so, but you have to live into it. You have to obey not only God's sovereign will, but you have to live into the, the way he's called you to live. And like I said, which is kind of funny, because that was not my plan to make that little face. But, but we do this all the time, don't we? We obey God's will with some back talk. And uh, one, of, one of the great analogies that I've heard over the years, and you could apply this um, in a lot of ways, but uh, the, this person was talking about a story. They, they were going on a vacation, and uh, it was kind of last minute. They were trying to get the parents were trying to get everything ready to get loaded in the vehicle, and the car was a disaster. And so they said to the kids, we're getting everything ready. You go get the car cleaned so that once we get everything ready, we can put it in the car. And one of their kids said, I'm busy. It was not the kid's will to clean the car. And the parent, it was the parent's will that the kid would clean the car. And so the parent said, I don't care what you're doing right now. I don't care how busy you are. Um, you're going to stop doing what you're doing. You're going to go clean the car. Because it was the parents' will that the kid would do that. And so what did the kid do? They slammed their stuff on the bed and stomped out and started cleaning the car. And the whole time they cleaned the car, they were muttering and mumbling under their breath. They're just like, this is so stupid, I can't believe it. <laughs> now, did that child ever obey the will of the parent? Externally, maybe, but they never rejected their own will in that moment, right? They were still, the whole time they were obeying their parent, obeying, they were holding on to their will, saying, I'll do this stupid thing, but I'm not going to like it. I'm... And we do it all the time when it comes to God's will for us. And both, his sovereign and his decreed will. I mean, right? You get into moments where you know God has told you his will is that you would tell the truth in this moment. And you go, oh, I don't know. And maybe you tell the truth, but the whole time right here you're going, I wish I could tell a lie right now. <laughs> Why? Because you're still holding on to your will. You don't think it, God's will is what is alone good. Talk to a lot of people. We, we know God says, flee from sexual immorality. Run from it. And a lot of people are like, well, that means just like get as close as you can without stepping over the line, right? Or, or like kind of wishing I was doing that, but just refusing to do it. No. It means 
want not to do that. Even desiring to do it is holding on to your own will. Or another one that I'm not trying to get people angry this morning, but it's true. God tells us, honor the Sabbath, keep it holy. Gather together with my people and worship with them weekly. And we go, but it really sounds good to sleep in today. (laughs) I've had a long week. I'll go to church because that's what God wants me to do, but I really wish I was fishing. And in that moment, we're giving God back talk, aren't we? We're kind of holding on to our own will and not willing. And, and that, that same thing happens when, when we're going through life and God's kind of sovereign plan kind of hits us and, and leads us down a different path than we wanted to. We go, well, I guess I have to do this because I, I have to do this. This is what your plan is, but I really don't like it. I'm going to mumble about it. I'm going to grumble about it. I'm going to be angry that I'm doing this. I'm going to be frustrated that my life is this way and my job is this way and I'm just going to mutter and mumble and backtalk the whole way. And God says, then you're still holding on to your will and not embracing my will. Uh, you're still pretending is really what it is. You're, you're pretending like you're following God's will when you're still saying, but I want my will uh, to be done. And, and the goal is uh, this really great line in the Gospel of John that I kind of skipped over because I knew I was going to get there eventually. On John 17, it says, if anyone's will is to do God's will. Um, and, and it keeps going on, and, but this is the point. This is the goal, that each one of our wills would be so transformed and renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit that our will would be perfectly aligned with God's will. Um, That we would desire and long to do God's will. That we would desire and long to just faithfully walk in the will that God has showed us and how we live, how we're to live in this world, but also to just desire to faithfully and joyfully walk into really difficult situations that sometimes God sends in our lives and to be able to say, you know what, this is good. Maybe I don't understand it, but I don't have to understand it. Your will is still good, and so I, wanna, I want my will to be in line with that. I want to be faithful and joyful in that situation. And uh, John Stott kind of wraps up this, this whole first part of the Lord's Prayer with some pretty strong words, but I think it's really helpful. He says this. It's, well, it's a lot bigger there for you guys than it is for me. It's comparatively easy to repeat the words of the Lord's Prayer like a parrot, or indeed a heathen babbler. He's referencing when Jesus said, don't heap up words. But to pray them with sincerity, however, has revolutionary implications, for it expresses the priorities of a Christian. We are constantly under pressure to conform to the self-centeredness of secular culture. He wrote this like 60 years ago. When that happens, we become concerned about our own little name, right? Hallowed be your name is that part of the prayer. Liking to see it embossed on our notepaper, hitting the headlines in the press, and defending our name when it's attacked. We become obsessed about our own little empire, bossing people around, influencing and manipulating people to boost our ego. We become obsessed about our own silly little will always wanting our own way and getting upset when it's frustrated. But in the Christian counterculture, our top 
priority concern is not our name, our kingdom, and our will, but God's. And whether we can pray these petitions with integrity is a searching test of the reality and depth of our Christian profession. Uh, That's strong. But he can say it that strong because... This is the core of the Christian life. The the, the foundational elements of the Christian life is that we have faith and trust in our Savior. And when we have faith and trust in our Savior, then we have faith and trust that His will alone is good and ours isn't. And then we have to be able to pray that sincerely. We can say, okay, I know my will is not good because I have faith in you. I, I trust you. And so... I want your will to be done over mine. I want your name to be glorified over mine. I want your kingdom to come over my kingdom. It, it's what flows from a true and honest and sincere faith. And, and that's the only way. A true faith is the only way you can sincerely pray, your will be done, and to pray it in your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, and we see this in Jesus. I think one of, the, one of the most powerful prayers that we see. My Father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And, and we know that when Jesus prayed, your will be done, he wasn't just saying, well, Father, if you want me to die, I'll die, I guess. No, he was submitting to kind of both both aspects of God's will in that moment. He was saying, your will alone is good that I'm going to die on the cross. And I submit to that. But he also was saying, your will alone is good so that as I live into that, as I'm beaten, as I hang on the cross, I want to endure that according to your will. I want to do that faithfully, honorably, in ways that you've showed us how to live in this world. So he's, and Jesus didn't go to the cross with any back talk. This is not back talk. And Jesus didn't go to the cross, go through all the beatings, mumbling and grumbling, saying, well, this is terrible. I guess I'll just do it. We're actually told he did it for the joy that was set before him. And then he endured the cross and he despised its shame. Because Jesus recognized that God's will alone was good. And so he said, I want my will to be your will. I want to live that way, and I want to live into the situation that you've given me, even if it's really, really, really hard. Um, And as we know, as I was talking with some people yesterday, The cross was, on the one hand, the most difficult, most horrible, wicked, evil thing that has ever happened in the history of the earth. And on the other hand, the most beautiful, powerful, glorious thing that has ever happened in the history of the earth. And if that's true of Jesus, being able to submit his will and endure something really hard and difficult, where God can take something wicked and evil and use it for beauty and power and glory, how much... More can he do that for us when we say, your will be done. And we say it with a smile, not with a snark, not with back talk, but with a smile. Um, And you know, we can do that 
because Jesus was faithful in the first place. Jesus, Jesus completely submitted his will to the Father. He, he lived a perfect life in submission to the Father. He died a perfect death in submission to the Father. And he did that so that when we look to him in faith, we're not only cleansed, we're not only forgiven, but we're renewed and strengthened and empowered by the Holy Spirit so that we can now live the life that he lived, which is a life completely submitted to the Father and how we speak, act, and think, but also completely submitted to the plan that the Father gives us. Not living with anxiety and fear all the time, but just living saying, Father, this is your will. Maybe don't understand it, but I trust you. I've seen how you provided for me through Jesus Christ. I have no doubt that you'll continue to provide for me in this situation or whatever situation in the, for, in the future is. And so, not my will, but your will be done. And when we do that, we, you get to experience what the Bible calls the peace that surpasses all understanding. Because now you've just let go. And you've trusted God. The God who created and sustains and rules over the whole earth. And you've rested in God's good and perfect and beautiful will. Let's come to him in prayer. Heavenly Father, we we come into your presence once again thankful that you're our God. We're thankful that you are a God who has proven himself trustworthy and faithful over and over and over again. We're thankful that you're a God who's proven that your will alone is good and perfect and beautiful. And Father, we take the opportunity now to just confess to you that we haven't always viewed your will as good and perfect and beautiful. We often act and live as if our will is good. And we turn away from you and we do our own thing and we make a mess out of everything. And so, Father, we we confess that to you. We ask that you would forgive us for that. We ask that you would cleanse us. And then we ask that your spirit would, would do a powerful work in us not only to cleanse us and renew us, but to, but to restore us and strengthen us, that your spirit would work in our hearts and minds so that we could truly say from the depths of our heart, your will alone is true and good and beautiful. So, Father, work in us by the power of your spirit to take our will and, and shift it and align it to be in line with your will and help us to live that way joyfully and peacefully in the world. Um, But may we do that not so that our name would be made great or that our kingdom would come, but that your name would be glorified on earth, that your will would be done on earth, and that your kingdom would come on earth as well. And all God's people said, Amen.